the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 that's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight for The Bible. You're here? I'm here. Jacob is here. He's in the saddle, ready to go, and we are glad you are there as well. I'm going to turn that up just a bit, and then I'm going to uh, welcome you to the program, The Bible Live. We are talking tonight about Rockport. No, I mean, (laughs) we're talking about Jeremiah, actually, and we'll be talking a little bit about uh, Rockport and Houston and Hurricane Harvey and all kinds of hurricanes that happen in your life. Uh, there are there are other storms of life. There are other hurricanes. Some of them are quite personal. Some of them individual, families, um, so on. Uh, this one is a uh, national or at least statewide, and and of course it's 
personal to some people. The national state of Texas. Right. And not No, it's personal to the state of Texas this time. Jacob, are you loud enough? I, I, you I don't just, know. Can you hear me at all? Yeah, make sure you're talking. Well, I'm mic. talking, but I don't see my margin bar going okay, up. Okay, I'm going to move it up there. And, okay. And, uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. This is not a Verizon commercial. <laughs> John, uh, John is not with us tonight. He is traveling. Uh, uh, he is. Uh, what you were telling me? He's he went to Las Vegas. Is he competing in? Something? Yeah, he's a member of some trivia club, and they go up there and they ask. And there's a bunch of contests and groups, and they go up there and they all try to answer trivia questions. I cannot imagine him not winning. The guy knows everything about everything. He knows a lot about trivia. Yeah, he does. It's the big things that stump him. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's like uh, yeah, I know. It's it's the career questions. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, well, anyway, John's not with Carlos with us, and he's going to be helping to take your phone calls. And uh, if that, you'd like to give us a uh, call, for Carlos. 340-9585, 340-9585. And we ought to give Carlo a much better welcome than that, don't you think? Yes, yay! All right. Oh, that's much better. I did, you didn't tell me we had a live audience Thanks, tonight. Mom, he said. <laughs> We're glad he's on, uh, on the boards here and, and keeping us straight. And you can give us a call as well. You can call in 340-9585, 340-9585. We're gonna, um, we make our way through the scriptures every year in terms of our commentary and uh, getting a chance to study through and talk through all the different books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Tonight, we are in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. We've just finished up the book of Isaiah. We read the last uh, two or three chapters uh, in our reading schedule, we're scheduled for Monday evening, and the rest of the week we spent in the book of Jeremiah uh, in the Old Testament. These are two of the major prophets of the Hebrew scriptures, Isaiah and then uh, Jeremiah. Now, they were not contemporaries, it seems to me. Were, or were they, Jacob? No, no, uh, no, no. Jeremiah, was well, Jeremiah might have been alive during some of the years of Isaiah, but he was. Jeremiah was alive in the years leading up to uh, 586 BC, where when Jerusalem. Oh, was that's destroyed. right. Yes, so Jeremiah right. was there when it happened, and then uh, they he was taken down into Egypt after the destruction of Jerusalem. Get, would you like to know BC. another date? Because I know you're a dating oh, kind of uh, guy. I'm, I love to to talk dates. Okay. Now, Joshua came into Israel. He took it over after Moses, right? Right. Uh-huh. About 1540? Uh, well, uh, 1492. I don't know. Oh. It's a joke. <laughs> anyway, but what I'm trying Joshua to say, the ocean you got it. So here is the catch. Jeremiah began prophesying exactly 852 years after Joshua entered the land of Israel. Ah, 852 years. Is that significant? Yes. For some reason. Why? Yes. Well, it's for several reasons. Because several things happened in that time. And, you know, that's, maybe, let's take a moment and talk about Jeremiah. What do you think? Let's do that. Okay. So here's some of the facts about him. He's not just a random guy that happened to God, happened to talk to her. He had a vision, and he became a prophet. And he certainly wasn't a bullfrog. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah. Oh yes, I, I know the song. I was just trying oh, okay. to think if I could. <laughs> I just want. I hope somebody out there in the land. I was. I the was. I, if, they, if they don't, I, say, I was toying you. with what some of the other false prophets <laughs> did refer to him as, close to that. But okay. I. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I decided not to bring it up. Okay. All right. So, 
Uh, but now here's a, a little known fact for you, Soapy. All right. In the first line of Jeremiah, uh-huh. it says something about who he is, doesn't it? It sure does. And it says who his daddy is, right? Uh-huh. And uh, that would be in Jeremiah 1.1. These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, uh-huh. one of the priests from the town of Anathoth. I know where Anathoth is, in the land of Benjamin. Well, you want, listen to this. Uh-huh. Okay, so he comes from the priesthood, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But... Well, who was? Which means he's a Levite. He is a Levite, but he's more than a Levite. It's obviously a Kohen, a priest. Uh, oh. The Levite. Now, your verse doesn't say that. One one. No, it says son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of. Oh well, it says it says one of the priests. Okay, same same. Okay. So he's not, you know in the tribe of uh, the Levites are the people that serve in the temple, yes. but then the. Uh, the member of the tribe of Levite is the Aaron, and Aaron's descendant, along with uh, Pincus or Phineas, however you like to pronounce it, uh, they they become the priest in the tribe of Levite. Okay. See? Okay. So that's a little understanding. Now here's the catch: his daddy, uh, daddy. His, yeah, he'll, you you pronounce it Hilkiah, Hilkiah. Um, he is the man, according to Jewish understanding. He's the man. He, he is the man who actually located that single copy of the Torah that they found in the old temple ruins. For King Josiah. You got it, my friend. Oh, is that the same Hilkiah? Yes. It does say yes, that. I know. Yes, That's same. the guy. Oh, okay. So we're getting a little context here, okay? Yeah. Let's do a little more context. Are you sitting down? I am. Okay. And Carlos, you feel free to sit down anytime, too. Um, but here it is. He... Jeremiah uh-huh. is actually a descendant of Joshua and Rahab. Whoa. That's interesting. Yes, it is. So we're and, given and according to Hebrew history and yeah. tradition, uh-huh. Rahab actually married Joshua. That is correct. Which, which folks yes. would probably intimate uh-huh. from your... That is correct. That's Jewish tradition. That, that uh, Joshua, when they... Remember who Rahab is, folks. Joshua and the people of Israel entered in, crossed over the Jordan and entered into Canaan to begin the... Uh, to... Uh, to um, inhabit the, the, the promised land after the death of Moses, and the first battle was Jericho. And remember, Rahab was the tavern keeper, or some people say the uh, lady of ill repute, the, the woman of the night. Uh, that I'm not sure. The, the same word is used both for innkeeper. The word in Hebrew is zona, uh-huh. and there's another word, and that's where the issue comes in. What does it mean, lady of the evening, or does it mean innkeeper? Yeah, and so but, the, one of those two, that yeah. was Rahab. Uh-huh. And she was the one who believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm. and who helped the spies, protected them from being uh, uh, discovered and, uh, of course, killed. And because of that, she and her family were saved, protected from the battle uh, that ensued with uh, Jericho and the destruction of the Jericho. So, and then, and then, according to um, tradition and uh, some historical references, and uh, I, it looks pretty convincing to me. Well, uh, she married uh, Joshua, and you're saying that Jeremiah was a descendant. Of he him. is uh, eight hundred eight hundred fifty-two years later when this uh, he began prophesizing. Now, I know, I believe in some more or less the Christian tradition. Uh, they think that Josiah 
was either three or five years old. In Jewish tradition, he's 13. But same... Why? Because the Jews are right. Uh, no, no, but, but, but eight years old, when, when what happened? Oh, when... Uh, uh, 13, when... When Jeremiah began prophesying. Prophesying. Uh, okay. That's, okay, now, so, so Jeremiah, but Josiah was eight years old when he was made king, right? That is correct, yes. So huh? in 13, uh-huh. when, jo- when yeah, Jeremiah... Yeah, so, but it's all within a couple of years of each other, so, at any rate. And we have Jeremiah's call to ministry uh-huh. in his initial visions yes. there in the first chapter of Jeremiah, right? Yes, we do. Okay. And uh, something else you might find interesting. I have a question for you before we get started. Mm-hmm. Okay. I gave you a preview of it before we started talking this evening because you yes. started telling me a very interesting story about you and your family. Yes. And perhaps this will be a great segue for you to tell some of that okay. and share with our ever-growing audience. You're always thinking radio, aren't you? Oh, uh, well, I know about radio. Anyway, so if Jeremiah is a prophet, and we assume that, first of all, I want to tell you something. I... I I don't know where people get the idea that he's a weeping prophet. You can search and know what it say every time he gets rejected, even thrown down the well, and all of the bad stuff that happens to him. I never see him sitting down with his head in his hands and crying. I don't see that, but that's okay. So we'll discuss that later. But here's the other issue. Didn't he, all write, almost, didn't he also write Lamentations? He did. Now, there you see him weeping. Ah, he wrote Lamentations, and that is when the actual destruction of the temple and Jerusalem takes place. And he says, I weep. I oh, sure. Now, but that's after it's happened. In the book of Jeremiah, he's just telling everybody, hey, guys, you know, they shouldn't be doing this. But <laughs> if, but the question I'd like to but get to. I was to, trying to answer the question is why they call him the weeping prophet, but okay. Oh, I see. So they go to the next book and then apply it backwards. So. Gotcha. Okay. Same guy. Sure. It's the same guy. Sure. <laughs> and uh, so here's the idea, though. If, and I brought this up and this will tie into what you can share about your discussion with your family, but if a guy came and he said, hey, listen, uh, I've been uh, told by God to tell you all these things. And another guy shows up and says, I'm a prophet of God, and I was told that's not true. It's exactly opposite. How would you know, how would you know which one to believe is the right prophet and which is a false prophet? And I asked you that question before we started, and you gave a very, very insightful answer. <laughs> well, and the reason you asked the question is because Jeremiah had to deal with this question, right? He All the time. Constantly having to deal. In fact, it's one of the characteristics of the book of Jeremiah is that in this time of crisis, you see, folks, they're leading up to uh, God's judgment on the nation of Israel and on the people of Israel and his uh, uh, God well we say God okay and that leads up to this other con- question as well about where is God in all of these disasters and these moments like this well God allows Nebuchadnezzar and the uh, Babylonians to come down and destroy Jerusalem and take the people of Israel into exile uh, for the 70 years you know, that we've talked about before so this whole point is, um, where is God in the midst of all these things? And so that's, uh, uh, oh, I, got, I lost track of what you were just saying about. Uh, oh, that's okay. Oh, I'm, the false prophets. Uh, that's okay. I'm, uh, I'm pro- used to it. Uh, the no false problem. prophets in the middle of that, coming yeah. up to that uh-huh. uh, event, Jeremiah was 
hearing from the Lord, and Jeremiah was giving him instructions for the people of Israel, right. as you said, calling them to repentance, calling them to turn back to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, back to their God, calling them to begin to follow God, to obey God, to trust God. Yeah, and well, that's them, what he was doing. But I'm going to suggest the word prophet mm-hmm. is really not appropriate for Jeremiah until we get into the chapters 31 through 33. Now, you're using the word prophet in the sense of predicting, right? Predicting and embodying a future happening. Right. Well, now, I wanted to point that out to our listeners as well, but go ahead. Okay, no. If you got something good, go yeah. run with it. Run with it. My understanding of the word prophet, uh-huh. it, prophesying and prophet, you know, being a prophet, is it really, it is not, uh, it's number one understanding is not predictive. It's not what makes a person a prophet is is not in the term itself in the biblical sense is not that they predict the future actually the idea of a prophet now you can tell me if i'm right or wrong is not so much a, a predictor or a prophesying telling the future at all it's a preacher a, a prophet is one who who declares the oracles of god who speaks for god who delivers god's message so sometimes his most of the time, his message is what we call forth-telling, F-O-R-T-H, telling forth the truths and the messages of God. Only at times to authenticate that message is is a part of pro- prophesying called foretelling, uh, mm-hmm. telling the future. Is right. that correct? From a yeah, yeah, that's basically correct. There, there, when I hear the word prophet now, I always think of a preacher, not so much a predictor. Well... There again, what happens if you have a real truthful preacher and you have one that says he's truthful, but he's not? Which so is how do you tell? Jeremiah. Well, and uh, see, so how do, it's a good example, but how do you tell? Hey, why don't we leave that to our listeners and get some calls? Oh, folks, can, do you know? I mean, we are living in diff- we are living in complicated times. The oh, I like it. Yeah. Okay. I was asking you, but you want to involve the whole I, I, audience. Why not? We're on radio. We've I, I think that's a good idea. I know three. And, and, and for that, we'll not give them a prize. <laughs> <laughs> well, the prize is being able to talk with you. Jacob. That's right. Yeah. No, uh, I would like you to call in. We, we too live today in a world where the rubber band is tightening and tightening and tightening. There's so much tension. There's so much uh, complexity. There's so many dangers and the you know, anxiety and fears of all kinds, like, like the time here that Jeremiah is prophesying, preaching and proclaiming. And uh, one of the big complaints, one of the big problems that Jeremiah has to contend with is uh, false prophets. He is delivering a message that he's heard from God. He's delivering it faithfully. He's delivering it accurately and, and clearly to them. And yet there are these other prophets in the culture, in the society, that are saying, ah, Jeremiah's all wrong, it's not going to happen, that's not the way it is, this is what God is saying, and they're telling a totally different, uh, opposite message. Now, uh, for one, I think we ought to ask our listeners, what fundamentally was the message that Jeremiah was delivering, okay? What, uh, yeah, he's calling the nation to repentance, that's fine and all, but what what was the message Jeremiah was delivering that set him apart from all of the other preachers, all of the other prophets of his era? And what was the message he was delivering that was so unpopular that it made him be persecuted? I mean, actually, the government stepped in, the king and the 
and they stepped in and, and persecuted him and tortured him actually uh, and that he was um, disrespected in the in the uh, society and the culture the people made fun of him the, and so on and so on and that really is the heart that and that's the heart of my question yes how would should they have known if they should have known between a true pro, a true prophet will say and a false prophet and how I like your broadening of it which is in today's world, how do we know if, a, say, a rabbi or a preacher is actually telling what's correct or not correct? How do we know? Three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's the phone number. If you'd like to log in and or call in and, and weigh in on the question and tell us what you think about how would we know about these matters uh, and how in, in the time of Jeremiah, I guess when you put it in that context, it makes it a little more complicated, for me at least. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, so maybe our listeners have a question. Would you like a hint? I, it's a. It's actually make you happy. It's a new hint. a New Testament hit. Hint, oh, okay. hint, not hint. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> new question. Yeah. New Testament hit. That's good. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. It's actually, and I think it's in. Uh, is it chapter seventeen of the book of Acts? And the mm-hmm. New Testament, mm-hmm. and there's a group called the Bereans. I know chapter seventeen. Well, it's there also, you go. That's where Paul talks to the Athenians for one. Well, he talks to three different groups, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but the Berea, the Bereans. The, oh, they, oh, that's my hint. Uh, they were in the city of Thessalonica, right? Thessalonica. The, like no, I, they were a little town of Berea. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right, but yeah, but the point is, but they were called more noble. Is, is it chapter seventeen? Have I got that I right? Believe you're right. Okay, but well, if you believe it, more noble. You believe it. Carlos believes it. I'm on board. They were more noble than the people of Thessalonica oh, because. What? What? You're going to give the hint too much. That's the hint. Okay, there you go, there you go. Now, 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 can I tell them about the family Yes, and tell us why this became relevant. No, why this became relevant. I was telling Jacob on the way up, and I've come uh, this evening from uh, our family, got together, and like yours did probably, because we were all expecting this incredibly difficult and powerful torrential rainfalls that were going to... Uh, really uh, flood and destroy, bring destruction upon the city of San Antonio. And, uh, oh, thank the Lord, it didn't. You know, I, and at least our part of the city. There may be some parts of the city where people have been affected. I hope not, and I hope, really, uh, I hope that you and your family are safe and dry. And uh, I, I know that people in our state and even people in our listening audience uh some of you are not tonight in your own home. You're, you're out and about because the storm has forced you out. But I, here's the question that came up, and it came up for several reasons. Uh, one is that we heard some predictions. I've had some pastors locally, uh, an individual got in touch and talked about some people getting together to pray against the storm that came in. And we've all heard of this happening before. Uh, I remember, uh, what was that? TV, TV uh, Robertson, I believe, uh, that prayed against some hurricane that was coming in another state uh, earlier, maybe a decade ago, and people made fun of him. So we pray against tornadoes, praying against storms, and so on. And then uh, uh, on top of that, uh, the questions begin to get asked around this time. 
you see people say, well, where was God in this? Is God judging the people of Rockport? Is God judging Houston? And, and, and San Antonio is a great city and a good city, so God spared us. Uh, so where is God in these things? Is he one by one? I noticed tonight that uh, there's a huge flood over in some Asian country in which hundreds of people were killed. And, and it's kind of been overshadowed in our news because this was a state in our country, in our nation, and our people. Uh, I, although I've not heard of a great number of people's lives being lost in this yet, but maybe the, of course, the storm is not finished necessarily. But the point is, is uh, we the discussion came about how, where is God in this? And another, uh, we read online, some uh, mature, solid believer said, you know, don't tell people whenever they're hurting, when they've lost a loved one or when the storm has destroyed their home or they've been injured or hurt and, and great loss. Don't tell them. Don't try to comfort them by saying, don't worry. Be encouraged. God is still in control. God is in control. And this person would say, that's not a way to do it. Don't tell them that because, you know, that just that could cause them to resent God all the more. They, you know, and so on. And um, now I'm not saying I agreed with that. I'm just saying this was the counsel of this Evidently, a mature and intelligent believer, a serious believer, saying that that's, that's uh, and he talked about the secret things of God. Some of the things are known to us as God's people, but we, we don't need to tout them. There's other things we could say more comforting, maybe. And, and all of this brought about in, my, in our conversation, the question is, how do we know? And, and uh, you know, some in our family said, oh, we can't know a thing. We don't know anything. There's no way you could know. You can't say anything at all about what really is going on. Uh, when these things happen. Thus brings up my question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it does. It, it tails right into it. And so what I wanted to ask you about tonight, folks, and you can call in and talk to us about this, uh, where do you think God is in these issues? When when this kind of thing, is, is God ma- micromanaging the universe? Is he micromanaging, how far down does it get? Does he does he get the open parking space at Walmart for us that we really want for us? Is that something we can, or, or is God only involved in, uh, you know, storms and things that involve human life? Where does God fit? Where is God in our world? And what are his priorities? On what basis does God act? Can we know? Can we actually think and wonder about uh, and know anything at all about uh, how and why God moves and why things happen like this, like the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and so on. Is there something that God has told us in his word that would give us as his people some insight as to what's going on and some understanding that would allow us uh, in these moments to act with with uh, understanding, to act with confidence, to mm-hmm. to uh, to move and speak. Um, in line with what God is doing, or do we just not know anything at all? I'd love to hear from you. Uh, do you think we've planted the question clearly enough? I do, and I just want to give one more little bit, if I could. Oh, you Chapter could. 1, verse 8. You could if I'd let you. <laughs> well, <laughs> if I'd I, stop talking. Okay, I'll give you the nickel. Okay. Oh, it's an it's a Indian head nickel. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, chapter 1, verse 8. The priest asked the question you and your family was talking about. Did you know that? The same priest? The same priest we're talking about. In Jeremiah. In Jeremiah. It's chapter 1, verse 8 is your question and your family's question. Where is God? Chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, who is this very nice man that came in here? 
Oh, did somebody order a pizza or something? Or? And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you. I, the Lord, has spoken. Wow. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, that's the history's darkest hour. That man came in and turned us off. 340-9585. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. AM630 The Word presents our August Book of the Month, Gambling with God by Tom Cavino. After you read Tom Cavino's miracle story of going from gambling bartender from Long Island to born-again Christian in South Texas, you're forced to answer. Uh, am I on? We are on. Okay, I can't. We didn't no, have an intro it. set up. Oh, my goodness. That is the problem. Well, folks, we are back. <laughs> Without a lot of fanfare, but we are indeed back all right so we want you to uh give us a call 340-9585 and we will go immediately to our phones uh-huh. let's go jacob there, and okay. talk with let's rich go. who is on the phone and wants to maybe uh weigh in on this question of where is god and how in the middle of these situations uh, of floods hurricanes tragedies and so on how do we as god's people how we understand how do we to understand where God is in the midst of these? Uh, what is? Can we understand anything at all, or nothing at all, or where we are in the middle? Is I, there, can we know? I'll anything? tell you what. I, my this is my own personal opinion. God doesn't like arrogance. He doesn't like slothfulness. He doesn't like uh, uh, doing stupid things when you can know you can do better. Uh, also. <laughs> we got to remember uh, these. Uh, some of this ground is six feet under sea level. Uh, I think that's all part of the message. You can't fight Mother Nature. That that is God itself. Uh, okay. that, that's just my opinion on that. All right. Uh, let me ask you this, Rich. When you think about God, is God? In, is he? Did he actually personally and intentionally send? Hurricane Harvey to Rockport and Houston? In other words, to what degree and in what way is God 
involved that, in that? I, I think that's just part of his uh, weather program. Period. Uh, he's got every. He's got tornadoes, earthquakes, volcanoes. He's got things going everywhere. And uh, this, is, this is just one of, uh, how about, thousands of things happening? Yes, exactly. And just one, even more than thousands. We could actually, if we go down to talking about all the events, both micro and macro, we're talking about billions of events going on in any given moment and also, uh, at every level. When, when, uh, when you hear, usually when you hear about terrible flooding and a lot of lives lost, it's usually China. Uh, because they don't have hardly any vegetation over there, from what I know. Or, or in the, uh, on, on, or, or on the mountains. The Asian, the Asian world, because they're so populated, in a, in, right. in a situation like this would tend to affect a lot more people. But like Japan, we we've, we remember the flooding or the, uh, what was the event that happened? Yeah, the, the tsunami, that event that happened uh, five or ten years ago. That, Sophie, the question that you asked uh-huh. uh, about uh, what did... Uh, uh, Isaiah say that got everybody mad. Yes. Uh, if I remember, I'm, I always go by memory. I, I really try hard to remember things uh-huh. in the Bible. And uh, if I'm not wrong, the people that were there, uh, you gave a very small hint, but that was only half of it. <laughs> there were some people visiting. And when uh, he came up with this, uh, uh, you know, these declarations and things, I believe they went to the king, and then the king got on uh, Isaiah. Isn't that the way it went? Well, that is a very good. Uh, that is a very good uh, answer. Now, because I wanted to point that out to Jacob as well, uh, Rich, uh, and you've made me. Mm, you reminded me of it, and I wanted to bring it up. But where is it, Jacob? Rich, thank you. Can I? I I'm going to. Do you have more to say? No, no, no. I'm going to let you go. I okay. took up enough of your time. Well, I, wait, not I a matter of taking up time. I want to ask Rich something. Did we win? Did we what? Did we win a prize? No. Oh. Uh, but uh-huh. Rich does bring up something that I wanted to. Where is that passage where, where, uh, is it? I thought it was Isaiah. Uh-oh, where didn't 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 the king got a visit or he from somebody from Babylon? And he, where was that? Where I read that? Uh, was that wasn't that in Jeremiah? I mean, in Isaiah, in the final chapters, wasn't there a, a chapter where some king visited uh, in, during the time? Are you of, talking about when the one king made a mistake and showed him all the grandeur and gold? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, that that uh, I believe is in Isaiah. Yes, it is. Uh, well, where is it? Is it? Well, I don't know. I but, think but it yeah, must be what, chapter his, thirty-nine. Uh, the, the, the that's ob- what Je- that's what he was referring to there. Yeah, the, the obvious mistake is he took around and bragged and showed all of his wealth. And but it, that was almost tantalizing an invasion. It does show us something. Let me see if I can find it. Can okay. I find that? Should we just like you know, it, it's talk found while in ch- chapter? Oh, that's it. Chapter thirty-nine. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 39, folks, if you, what Rich has brought up is a very good and very interesting yeah, thing yeah, yeah, in yeah. light of our question. Yeah. Because this was many, many years before the destruction of yeah. Israel by Babylon. You're, you're closing in, so. And, and uh, 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 Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift 
Mm-hmm. And it's the book of Isaiah here. Uh-huh. He had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick and that he had recovered. Now, Hezekiah is, we're not talking about Nehemiah. We're talking about Hezekiah, king of uh, Judah. And he was delighted with the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses, treasure houses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He took them to see his armory and showed them everything in his royal treasuries. There was nothing in this palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to the king Hezekiah and said, what did those men want? Where were they from? He said, they came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? Asked Isaiah. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasures. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to this message from the Lord of heaven's army. This time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left. And so you can see here that... that um, you can see here that there is a there is a thread that ties these events together and and, and though Hezekiah at that time didn't know about it and, and maybe I, I suppose did Jeremiah know about that event you think uh, I am going to say unequivocally yes. Okay, uh-huh, so hmm, uh-huh, so maybe uh-huh. that gave Jeremiah you're, you're a clue. Actually, you're, you're actually you're getting so embarrassingly close to the answer. <laughs> I don't know where to okay. go. Okay, so remember, folks, our question out there for you is: How did Jeremiah know uh, what God? This is from the Lord. The Lord has well, said. And this. actually, the question more precisely: How did he know the others were false? Well, might be. How would you know which prophet's telling the truth? How would you know which one is telling the truth? Even today, how do you know what rabbi, preacher, priest is telling it correctly? Or if they're just making it up? Well, Bob is on the line, and Bob always has an answer for us. So, Bob, let's hear what you have to say. Well, sometimes I say, hi there, sir. Uh, Sometimes I say, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) That's a good answer. that's That's an answer of some sort, but... I uh, I believe it's uh, we need to see if the prophet is speaking according to uh, facts, and see if the uh, prophet is speaking according to the the law of Moses, and uh, that's one of the keys. Well, uh, you have hit uh, Jacob's but, hot button, but I'm not sure if that's totally the right answer. It, it, it's okay. so, it is so close. Well, it you you so get close. two rings of the bell. Because you are so close well, to the answer. Well, and then, and then there's another fa- there's another factor is you you wait and see what happens. But that's that's a little uh, that's kind of like cheating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you wait till somebody gives you the answer, and then you give the answer. But yeah. uh, but uh, Alexander Scorby is a talented uh, reader. Uh, I think he's probably passed away now uh, from the British Isles, and he reads the King James version sometimes right. from a sort of a sort of a modern King James. But not totally modern, he, uh, and uh, he, his reading was from Jeremiah twenty-eight and twenty-nine this week, oh. and uh, this weekend, and uh, it uh, dealt with Jeremiah dealing with this other prophet, and this other prophet said all those they were talking after the first wave of captives as it was taken around six oh four six oh five, and uh, it had already been a few years since. And the one prophet said, "Well, in a couple of years, all that stuff is coming back, and, and including all all the temple uh, uh, vessels and uh, utensils were taken. And uh, even though the temple didn't fall and the city didn't fall, the first wave of captives left, and they took a lot of booty. And uh, uh, that one prophet said, uh, in two years, Babylon's going to fall, and we're going to get all that stuff back.' And, and Jeremiah said, "No, you're wrong." Uh, 
it's going to be we're going to be in captivity for seventy years. Okay. And and the and the city's going to fall. Can you? Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I really like what you're approaching there. But I'm going to go ahead and push you over the cliff. You ready? Sure, <laughs> sure. Okay. I'm, I, just call me Azazel. Oh, oh well, oh, well yeah, yeah. I maybe you better explain it because I understand exactly what you're telling me, but I would never call you that. But maybe if you <laughs> okay. want to call yourself you pushed over a cliff, evidently, right? That's not a good thing. Well, well, thanks, thanks for saying you would never do that to me. Uh, but what I want to say is, okay, yeah, the law of Moses, that kind of thing. You're a hundred percent correct. But is there one more concrete thing that took place in the Let's call it the prehistory of Jeremiah, Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. you, as a person at that time listening to Jeremiah or the Mm so-called false prophet, or even in today's preacher, Hmm. would know. And if so, where do we find it? Is this well? uh, That that his his father was Hilkiah, but uh, I I find very interesting your some of the traditions that would indicate, or, or maybe even scriptures that would indicate, he came from. Uh, uh, Joshua, because 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 uh, Joshua was uh, of, of Ephraim, but uh, he's a Kohen, so he's 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 of uh, Levi. Uh, so that, I find I find that kind of interesting. But well, maybe there's some intermarriage. Eight hundred and fifty-two years, some priests would take wives. You see, yeah. Uh-huh. And there so you go. They, that's the, that's the answer. But not to get tied up in that, because. I'm going to uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you. Do you know? Because you're a, really you're on the money, uh, and mm-hmm. Soapy's on the money because Soapy said, "Well, you got to see if it's consistent with the Bible." So my last yeah. name is Dollar. I'm always on the money. Uh, Soapy mm-hmm. is always on the money. His picture is <laughs> actually on the money. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's why I've gotten his coupons and his picture is all the coupons. His, his money because his picture's on it. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, is uh, so yes, you're right. And if you don't know the Torah, especially the first five books, well, you don't know if somebody's telling you the truth or not. But there is something more concrete, more that specific, actually, huh? More applies something. And, Robert, you've done a great job, I know, and right now we're at the edge of the cliff, and I'm going to have to bump you just a little bit to see if you can answer this. If not, well, is that the idea? Yes. Oh, okay. So do you have an, do you have an idea? Is there someplace that where you might say God has said, and let's say using the law of Moses, that something may be happening before oh. pre-Jeremiah. That's yeah, why I said Jeremiah probably is more accurately described as, let's call it, a, an explainer as opposed to a prophet until we get to chapters 30. Okay? More of an explainer than a predictor. Yes, because everything he's saying mm-hmm. is not new. Now, if these mm-hmm. people knew... What the Bible said, the law of Moses, number one, and the more concrete one that I will give you, then they would know which prophet was a true one, which one was a false one. Three, four, zero, ninety five, eighty five. If you want to weigh in and uh, give us your your understanding of how would the people of Israel have known in that era and that time? And maybe how can we know today what who's who's a false prophet and who's a prophet who is telling the truth? Uh, is there something? Well, well we can look at their track record, perhaps. A track we could maybe look at their. We could look at what, Robert? The, the, we okay. could maybe look at their track record. No, no, no track and, record. Uh, I'm talking about no tracks at all, except those black <laughs> words 
that are tracks. As Indians might say, there are tracks on my white page, and they're black letters. But I'm trying to read the, tra- tra- the tracks. But let's say something's written, actually written out. Okay. Do, is it actually written out? Do you know, Robert? Mm. I don't know the scripture that would uh, apply to that, so uh, I'll, 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 I'll take your, uh, your, your answer. Well, uh, we got, we're going we're gonna to let a couple other people take a shot. Is that okay? Right. Yeah, let another people take a shot. All right. Well, thank you for. But anyway, I wanted, I wanted. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I wanted to. Go I wanted to uh, just just uh, say that uh, uh, Soapy, uh, we were talking about uh, uh, um, vicarious uh, or replacement of. A sacrifice sure, yeah, for yeah. someone else to, for someone else to pay for sins Sacrary last week. Substitution, or substitutionary and, and, sacrifice. And, yeah, uh-huh. and I was I was thinking that, but uh, was something I've been taught is that the, the altar is a is a burial mound, and really the uh, the American Indians uh, also had burial mounds, uh, uh, particularly the some were left over in Ohio, and uh, uh, they they built mounds. And anyway, the idea of of the mound, and it was even in the Torah portion this week, is uh, the it's it's a legal friction that the blood of that animal indicates to uh, the Almighty when He looks down from the heavens that uh, okay, they did justice, they they killed the perpetrator uh, because they he committed a a, a capital sin, and. Uh, uh, for instance, in the Torah portion this week, you have the, the the slain man who's found out in the field, and nobody knows who the perpetrator was. And the cities who are nearby, uh, the elders get together, and they, they, they investigate the matter thoroughly. And if they can't find the perpetrator, they sacrifice a bull. I believe it was a bull. And uh, and, and then it it shows the Almighty. It shows the Almighty. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, a legal fiction that shows the Almighty that that the. Uh, that we, we we caught the guy and and but it's showing we we tried to find the guy and we couldn't find the guy. It's as if we caught the guy and and here's his blood on the altar. All right, all right. Interesting Hank. idea. We gotta get a couple more calls, okay, Robert? Sure. Well, thank you, Robert, for calling in. And, and we Esther. do have another number three four zero ninety five eighty five. And Esther has called in. Sure. Uh, no, I'm asking her. To I don't call know back. if she dropped or if. Yeah. Uh, Esther, we somehow yeah. lost call her, back. please call, call back. back, Esther. You yeah. always have an insight. You always have a thought that is very, very instructive and good. I'd love to hear what you think about this question. I think the question tonight is very profound, especially in light of the, the struggles and the, the storm that we have gone through. Uh, it it kind of highlights the question, makes it more dramatic. But at the same time, this is not unusual. Every individual, every family, we all go through at one level or another, we all go through storms. We all go through difficulties and disappointments and, and trials of life. And, and the question is, how do we understand? How are we to understand where God is in these situations? Is there any way at all we can know what God is doing in a given situation? I have a, I have a thought, I, and it may not be that transcendent, that remarkable, or that amazing, but I think it's a... An answer that you will be greatly encouraged by, but I want to hear what some of you are yeah, saying. Yeah, let's hear some thoughts. Esther's back on. Good. Is that? Is it Esther? Okay. Thank you, Esther, so much for calling back. We appreciate it. Uh, hi. Uh, the radio is kind of out of sync with the telephone, so well, it's kind of hard on people. Don't, don't, listen, don't listen to the radio now. Don't listen. Just okay. Listen to 
Go ahead. Okay, you have three things that I wanted to address. Uh, the profit, the proof, whether if whoever is teaching, and I agree with you, Sophie, a prophet is not necessarily somebody with new revelation or hearing from uh, God, but a teacher. A teacher is a prophet as well. Okay. But uh, if you're listening to a prophet, how do you know if you can trust them? Because back in the day, like Jacob was saying, uh, in Old Testament times, the prophet would give uh, near prophecy and a far-off prophecy. And if he gave a near prophecy that failed to come to fruition, then the people were instructed by God not to fear him or take seriously anything else he may have to say because he is a false prophet. Okay, let's, so let's make sure everybody has understood your answer. She didn't say mere with an M like Mary. She said near with an N like, um, hmm, what's a word that starts with the letter? In time, near in time. Yeah, near in time, not far off. And so if but that's a little bit what what uh, Robert was saying or Bob was saying about the track. In other words, if they if they have predicted before and they all came true, that would be one. And and it's a little bit if someone has predicted a near event and they got it wrong, well, then you shouldn't trust them about a far off event. But so that's a little bit related to what. Bob said about the track record, but keep going. That's your number one. You said you had two or three. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, the weeping prophet, uh, Jacob said he didn't know why uh, people would think of uh, Jeremiah as a weeping prophet. I don't know why they wouldn't. That's, you know, my person, everybody has their own opinion. But uh, this poor guy, he was told at the outset that he was chosen to be a prophet and to deliver the word of yeah. God as a warning to people to repent, and, and that, that, and that they no would not would take him seriously. Huh? And, and that no one would listen to him. No one would listen to him, so that's really a bummer. You know, I'd be crying too. He and was, <laughs> He was assured failure but, from the very beginning, in a way, in a sense. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah but the rabbinical uh, commentary that I read on that is you don't have an option you don't have an opt-out option. When God tells you to do something, you ought to do it, even if it does not uh, bring about a good instantaneous result. Yeah. You ought to do it right. in obedience. And then down the line, after the people were put into dispersion, then they thought back and remembered what Jeremiah had said to them, and they began to connect the dots mm-hmm. so that his work was not in vain. But he, how would he know that? Excellent, excellent. And then Number the last thing, I'm, I'm hurrying up. I know a lot no, of people are Don't you hurry up at all. I wouldn't, no, I'm not hurrying <laughs> you. I'm just, I'm enjoying hearing what you have to say. I'm, I'm looking forward to number three. The number three is the bad one that no one has an answer to. Uh, we don't know why uh, does God send tsunamis when you're misbehaving. And did did God send us Harvey, Yahweh? Did he send us Harvey because uh, we were bad? I don't know. Maybe because he is God and he can do whatever he wants and we are uh, his creation. I did want what? to clarify the question. My question was not so limited as you just expressed, you know, did he send it mm-hmm. because we were bad or evil? Was he judgment? Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't saying yes or no question. My question was not yes or no. It's, is there any way we can know 
Not exhaustively. Well, not I in think every, that's not in every Not in yeah, every individual case. Not, not in every individual case of every individual person. But is there mm-hmm. some? Is there any answer that would say, that we could know that that why has God sent? Why has God allowed? And and I think Bob did answer correctly that uh, mm-hmm. this uh, tsunamis and hurricanes and tornadoes yeah. and storms of life. All of these were in the uh, original creation event. I mean, that was all a part of the ecosystem that God put together around planet right. Earth. And the potential for all of these things right. was all was there from the very beginning. So we live in this closed system that operates on the on the laws, the, mm-hmm. the morally neutral, natural laws that God has placed in, in, mm-hmm. in force. So in a sense, yeah, they're caused by God because he, he created this system in this world. But... Uh, do we can we know what his purpose was in these kind of events? What, why did now we have to realize when we're talking about this, uh, Esther, that that God is far more intelligent than we. I mean, we we get we would get lost if we we start pondering yeah. that. There are billions of options from the micro system to the macro system there are billions of options and possibilities and so on that we couldn't possibly even fathom but we god the creator can he knows these things they're not they're not mysterious and they don't catch him by surprise he, but the point is why were these things why are these things part of our experience and if they are they're because, they're because god intended them to be and is there a reason can we imagine why would god allow these kinds of things what would be the reason for it that's okay if for if i could take a stab at it and i realize there are a lot more people more keenly aware of their surroundings and possibilities than i am but uh if your life was nothing but a song from the time you were born and there was nothing in the heavens to frighten you. No one was ever sick. You were never out of money. The lights never went out. There were never any Harveys. Why would you need God? Okay. If you're fallen, you have to agree. Uh, we chose against, uh, God's edict in the garden. Do not eat from the fruit of the tree. Okay. We want to be smarter than we were. Uh, so Adam and Eve, took the fruit and ate it. Here we are today. <laughs> if we never had anything bad happen to us mm-hmm. uh, in our fallen state, we would never honor God. And I think that's his purpose. The whole focus is God Almighty, the God of Israel. He is center and everything else is scenery. And that includes us. You've said some very, very powerful, important things. What do you think, Jacob? Well, I'm thinking, Esther always has some very valuable things. As, she does. As Bob did. But, uh, yeah, Esther, does it ever bother yeah. you that, you know, a few years ago they changed the name of uh, hurricanes to include men's names, right? <laughs> does now, that bother that me? Bother her, well, I'm like just that. thinking, if they're going to do that, then they should stop calling mm-hmm. them hurricanes and start calling them hisicanes. Hemicanes. Hemicanes. Oh, yeah, How could I argue with that? Okay, Harvey is a hemicane, okay? But Harvey is a hemicane. Okay. Uh, okay, so here's, yeah. uh, here's my question, Esther. Do you have, um, in the, actually, I've noticed something. I was listening very closely to what you and Sophie were talking about. And uh, the people that would suggest, I think, 
that uh, say, well, God is punishing because we didn't obey his laws, etc., etc. Let's take, if we take a real close look at the text, and as we start explaining it, we say the words, but I don't think we're plugging it in. It's not for violating the laws. It's because they didn't repent. Right. That is You get it wrong, but you're you're supposed to say, hey, I was wrong, okay? I got it wrong. I made a mistake. Who doesn't make a mistake? Let's fix it. I apologize. All right. And they were given many opportunities to turn back, to Mm -hmm. repent, and so on. Yeah. They were given lip service. I I wanted to read to you one you reminded me from your uh, material. It said... uh, this is Yahweh speaking. Be horrified at this, O nation. I'm sorry. Be horrified at this, O heavens. Be shocked and appalled, says God. For my people have committed two sins. Mm-hmm. They have, one, abandoned me, the source of living waters. And they have, two, hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns, which do not hold water. So, you know... In order for people, mm. they turn away from God, they don't obey him, but they are obeying somebody. Mm-hmm. If it's not themselves, it's some fallen person, some crazy preacher mm-hmm. uh, telling them to drink Kool-Aid and all kinds of things, you know, anything. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, AM 630, The Word, presents our August indeed, book of the month, uh, I'm Gambling have to put with a God, by right Tom Cavino. After you right. read Tom Cavino's miracle yeah, story of going from gambling... Stop that, because uh, what has happened tonight is that our normal board operator is not here, and the the log has not been set up for our program, so we don't have our intros and our outros, and the bumper music is Are not Are you saying yet. Carlos is abnormal? Oh, no, do you no. want me to sing for you an advertisement? <laughs> That's what I was leading up to, Esther. <laughs> <laughs> Esther has got a great sense of humor. Thank you for calling in. We do have to take a, a break right now, though, folks, so, and so we're glad that you have joined us, and uh, we will be back right after these brief messages you're listening to the bible live with soapy dollar we are back again we're doing without bumper music and when uh, all of the bells and whistles of our brilliant radio program that normally uh but we are back this is the bible live and uh we've got a, a conversation going on yes. that i think is very important uh-huh. not only interesting but i think it's important jacob because wow. uh we're looking at the book of jeremiah now uh, and Esther is weighed in. Bob is weighed in. You can give us a call as well. We'd love to hear from you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. The question is: Jacob has qu- placed the question. How did the people in Jeremiah's time? Jeremiah was preaching uh, decades before the judgment that fell on Jerusalem. Five eighty six B.C. Nebuchadnezzar comes down with the armies of Babylon and they destroy the city of Jerusalem. And begins uh, this time of judgment, 70 years of exile in Babylon and so on. But but, uh, they had been told about, Jeremiah had been preaching this all this time. And and not only Jeremiah, but I'm not trying to invade your territory here, but others before him. This this message was long given to them. Uh, And the question is, how would they have known the people at that time? Uh, who was a false prophet? Because there were other false teachers and prophets in the in the society of that time that were that were contradicting 
Jeremiah. They were contradicting the message of God and saying, no, that guy's all wrong. He didn't hear. From this is what's going to happen. We're safe. We're going we're gonna to be like meat put in the pot. We're going to be, because we're in Jerusalem here, we're going to be safe. That message was continually given. So what we're asking you tonight is how would the people, how would we know a real prophet, a true prophet from a false prophet or teacher? Okay. And, and in, in a broader question, uh-huh. I'm asking you that question even for today, which has the same sort of ramifications, but I'm asking it in the context of Hurricane Harvey mm. and tsunamis and tornadoes and disasters, big disa- and the little disasters that come to our individual lives. Uh, I didn't get that job. I got fired. This happened. That I had a car wreck. I had an accident. Where is God in these? Is there any way to know what might be God's purposes in the midst of those situations? So, uh, Jacob, I know well, you want to. Why don't we take a leave, if you don't mind, real quick, and then we'll, uh, and then I'll give you the answer. Oh, you want to talk to Lee first? Yeah, if, okay. if you don't mind. Lee, you are on the air with the Bible Live program, and I'm hoping that you can help give us some insight about these. I think these are important questions. I have four quick thoughts, and thank you for taking my call. Number one, uh, when we started having all the violence in schools and people were talking about where is God, and one very knowledgeable person said, well, God's very polite. Uh, You kicked him out of the school. No prayer and no Bible reading. Number two, uh, we have a perverted uh, creation. If you remember in Job, remember that that, uh, in John 10.10, Jesus clearly said that Satan's job is to come steal, kill, and destroy. So if you remember who was created some weather problems in Job, and that was the enemy. Third, back in in the, uh, and my heritage goes back to colonial New England, uh, pastors in some in cases where there was cataclysmic nature. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want you to go too fast here, but I'm not trying to slow you down here. But you've got that horrible name, Lee. Yes. What's wrong with that? Remember Robert Lee, the guy got taken off of the TV because you you remind us too much of Robert E. Lee, I'm afraid. Well, we're we're (laughs) going to not kick you off the air tonight. We're going to go ahead and listen. Okay. Does anybody remember that the war is over? (laughs) I hope so. Okay. Okay. And and nobody ever talks about the black slave owners. But anyway, let's not get off on a rabbit trail here. it, back in the early part of our country, the uh, pre- preachers, when there was a cataclysmic area, and I used to live in New England, we have hurricanes up there, uh, they would get the congregation together and they would have sermons on the weather and asking God if there's something that they needed to repent about. Uh, and the fourth thing is a um, dedicated um, a law enforcement officer several years ago wrote a book called God's Final Warning to America. And he uh, meticulously researched um, uh, weather events that were serious, like Katrina and so forth, and related them and, and researched then what was going on in our country in the area of moral decisions. Um, and he would tie them together in that book uh, because God does love us. He wants to get our attention, and sometimes it takes uh, a cataclysmic weather. Now, I am particularly gratified that we've had people praying about the storm, and uh, I've noticed that we did not get uh, what we were forecast to get here in this area, the winds and the rain and all. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I measured it by 
the water level in my pool and that type of thing. Um, so God's been can be very merciful. I heard another story about a lady. There was a tornado headed toward, I think, a neighbor's house or some issue, and they just prayed earnestly, and the tornado skipped the house and went on to something else. So, um, you know, we have the advantage of praying and asking God, and, of course, he has three answers, yes, no, and wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are some of my thoughts mm-hmm. on this. Uh, we, wanna... we do not want to get into the business of demeaning God and his holiness, okay. uh, but it is a glib. You, you mentioned this earlier, uh, Sophie. You know, it's, it's just, just to realize, oh, well, God's in charge, mm-hmm. God's sovereign. Uh, he, he, we are his hands and feet. We can still pray. We can still take water to mm-hmm. needy needy folks. Uh, mm-hmm. My matter of fact, my daughter has. They, she got a call uh, where folks are collecting things for the folks that lost things. So, um, I hope this helps. Sure, it does, Lee. I appreciate your call. I really it does. And we are, we are hands and feet of God. You know, we we can act on His behalf. We're the body of Christ. The body. I, of, I, I think God's you're the people. big toe, Soapy. Go ahead. I think you're the big toe. The big toe. <laughs> well, I don't mind. I'm just glad to be a part. <laughs> okay. Go for it. Uh, anyway, what are you going to say, okay. Jacob? Listen, let's suppose that God himself said, hey, this is going to happen. Not just using the law of most, but let's suppose that God said, this is definitely going to happen. And he didn't say, even if you repent, it's not going to happen. He said, it's definitely going to happen. And it, let's suppose it's in the Bible. And then Jeremiah comes along, because you said during the break that God always does something. What, do you remember what you said to him? He never sends judgment on Israel or on another nation or on, uh-huh. when we're talking about judgment, where God is actually involved in sending uh, discipline to uh, uh-huh. his people. Yeah, he never does that. Yeah, a lot to what you said. I like that beautiful short sentence you just hammered. He never does that without repeated warnings. Okay. Constant so, repeated warnings. I'm going to tell you where it's at. If you go to, uh, you don't have to read it right now, and we're probably if we had more. This has to do with uh, with uh, Solomon. No, no. In in Second Kings, Mm -hmm. uh, chapter twenty one through twenty three, God actually says, "I'm going to banish Judah like I did Israel." And Jeremiah is about Judah. Yes. Okay, not about the northern countries, but the southern Judah and Benjamin. He actually says it. Now here's the point: if that had been accepted, and everybody's familiar with the Bible, and they knew the Bible. Yes. And Jeremiah came and said, hey, look, God said he's going to do it. And, th- and oh. then, a, then a false prophet came along and said, no, no, he never said that. They just said, wait a minute. It does say right here, their failure was to not know the Bible. Oh, my land. Look so, at this. Oh, well, wait, don't step on my lace no, curtains. you just made me see something. It's so amazing. Well, that okay, go ahead and open the windows. Go ahead. Who was Jeremiah's father? I know. It's amazing. Well, what a coincidence. I huh? know. You, you. <laughs> Second Kings chapter twenty-one, folks, verse fourteen. Go for it. Go well, on. Anyway, my point is this: in the larger sense, at that time, had they actually had true, true priests teaching the Bible, had they been familiar with it themselves, they could have said, "Wait a minute, I know you're a false prophet, a false preacher." In today's case, because you're not quoting what it says. You're making stuff up. Because what we've accepted as the Bible for a long time, God says, I'm going to do this. In fact, in uh, 
Second Kings 21, 11 through 15, it says, I'm going to make Judah spoil like I did Israel, and I will banish Judah just like I did Israel. The judgment is in. Wow. Now, this is before the birth of Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. It's all written. Jeremiah's not coming along. That's why I said he's an explainer, not a prophet. We mentioned last week oh. that Manasseh was this incredibly well, evil, yes, wicked but, king but, but, but of the, uh, Judah. Yes, but, so we know that. Uh-huh. So right now in today's world, to make your question attributed, if somebody comes along and says, and, I, and I'm going to be honest with you, I, I hear preachers, on, and I listen to a lot of stuff on the radio, mm-hmm. and I sit back and I just sometimes just say, Jeez, don't they ever read anything? And I got the sense they do not read it and they do not pay attention. Because it clearly said, and what we're looking at here in Second Kings, God said, it's over. You're cooked. And he doesn't say, if you repent, I'll forgive. Folks, He's he wasn't saying. just being there, uh, 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 speaking lightly there about you're cooked. Because it is one of the images he gives. You're cooked. Right. You're, going to, you're in a pot. And, that's they right. were using, we're meeting the pot, we're protected, we're not going to be judged. And, and remember, and God said, people, no, you're going to be and another application of that is, uh-huh. is that, and an example may be in the book of Jonah. Because remember, Jonah doesn't go, and people always misquote this. They don't say, Jonah never says, if you repent, it won't happen. No, 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 no. Jonah says to Nineveh, in three days or 40 days, you are going to get it. He doesn't say anything no, about repentance. he didn't say about repentance. In 40 days, uh, Nineveh will be destroyed. But look seven, what, seven but look what they did on their own. Mm-hmm. That's what makes true repentance. So they did themselves. Now, we got the comparison here with Jeremiah. We know for sure what God says is going to happen because it says it in Second Kings. We and know. even before Jeremiah, there was Isaiah, and there were other prophets. Yeah, but this is talking strictly about Judah. Uh-huh, that's true. And, mm-hmm. and so he's saying, look, I'm going to do the Judah. It's over. Then he sends, as you said, uh, another guy to give another warning. It's coming. Now, he didn't say, Jeremiah didn't say, hey, you know, it's not going to happen if you repent. He's just saying repent. So... We don't know if they had all repented what they were doing. Now, one of the things they were doing was they picked up these other people's religions, and part of it was killing a child, mm-hmm. and part of, and they would uh, they would burn children, and they had a god that the Canaanites used. It had the human body and the head of an ant, of a cow calf, mm-hmm. and they would it was made out of metal, and they had heated so hot that it was red hot metal, and then they would take the baby and put it in the arms of mm. of this heated statue. And the baby would cry and scream, of course. And so they'd pound a drum so they couldn't hear the screaming. Now, what's fascinating to me is, where in the world would somebody get the idea that in some kind of religious context, if your child dies, it does something to help you get into heaven? Now, strange, strange religious thought. I know today there are incredibly certain, perverse and wicked. Well, yeah. today there's certain religions that says, "Hey, if one of my children blow up and kills some infidels, I get go to heaven, and my family does." Strange religious thoughts. Uh, but so what they were doing is they didn't even repent. Remember, we got the Canaanites actually removed from Israel when Israel came in was child sacrifice, and God, and God always says, "Hey, don't pick up their ways," and they did. And they start influencing. Now, perhaps from that example, you can get the idea of why. In particular, the Jews are so leery. They read the same books you do. They got the same lessons. They say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've been through this. We've got T-shirts that says we've been there, done that. We're sticking to what we know what we, so we don't get in these jams again. Because everybody in the world wants to tell the Jews how to do a different religion. 
add something to it, change it, do something. And Jews say, does that mean that that all Jews are pro-life? Are pro-life? Well, I don't don't know any Jew that wants to get killed. No, I'm talking about babies and abortion. Oh, no, of course not. Mm. But it uh, seems like that would be also something that would uh, that would affect them. Well, perhaps. And while that would be an interesting topic to explore, <laughs> it is off. But it, you just made me wonder. When you um, said what I'm saying is, is that you see in Second Kings, it tells us the prediction, the judgment's in. It's over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Jeremiah is still coming along, as you said, and yeah. saying, repent, repent. Now, we don't know what happened if they had repented, but we do know this, that they didn't. And so the judgment was entered in Kings before Jeremiah was born mm-hmm. that this is going to happen. So during Manasseh's reign uh, in the uh, exactly, everybody, everybody kept being evil. Now, except for one guy, and I think you say Josiah. Is that Josiah, the Josiah. child king, eight years old Yo, when he was Yosea, placed on the throne. Yeah. So, Josiah. There was a brief revival. But he did, but look, when he repented and he put the Torah scroll back in there, that was the action of a king that was a good king, right? Did that cause the stopping of the judgment? It did not. Now, if we start looking very closely, we got to wonder to ourselves, well, why didn't one guy stop it? He put the Torah scroll back in. He said, come back to the God that saved us from Egypt and all this stuff. It took the people to do it, to make the nation, not just yeah, one Not person. just the king. Yeah. So The king can have a great influence. The, the leader, the president, or whoever it might be, can have a great influence, but it's, it's the people sure. that, that must uh, repent. And so, it, but uh, I wanted to ask you this. Well, wait, wait, one, just okay. give me one second. Mm-hmm. Now, in today's world, rabbi, priest, preacher, let's suppose that somebody came along, and you can pick up a large variety of things mm-hmm. and listening to people, and even on radio. And you listen to them. And how do you know which one is right or wrong? There's only one measurement. And that's what the Bible says. If you go back but this, and look at it and see who's saying what, you got a real good idea. Like in Jeremiah's time, had they known what it was really saying, that the judgment was already made, they would have known who's a false prophet and who isn't. They could have told. We can tell today. The problem is... And boy, I'm making some error and trouble in this. So whether it's a rabbi or a priest or a preacher, nobody's really not. I shouldn't say no. Or a radio commentator. Or, or, <laughs> or radio personality. Sure. They just don't seem to be teaching the Bible. They keep telling. I, I hear guys come on and say, oh, we do it line by line. And I sit and listen. They do anything but line by line. They always tell about the same thing that they were a car salesman mm-hmm. or they, maybe they are a medical doctor or they were a mechanic somewhere and God started just enlightening them. But it isn't consistent with what it says. But mm. they certainly are mm. sin- sincere in what they say. Great salespeople. But what always bothers me is I think they don't read it. Mm. And they don't tell it. And the problem, the only safety net a human being has is to go back and you must know it on your own. And if you know it on your own, you compare it to what somebody's saying. If they're saying something different, they may be well-intended. They may not be well-intended. But they're not right. Mm-hmm. That's why Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself worthy, a workman with, 
that does not be need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We study God's word. No, it, it's not just a matter of studying and knowing texts either. Right. It's, and, and it's the, and living the, in it. Yeah, it's but, like Dan, and, and the Daniel is, or some of the but, prophets but we're to, talking about. But look, at this. even in the book of Daniel, since you mentioned that, he's reading. In the book of Daniel, he reads. And what does he find in Jeremiah? He finds, oh, we've been sentenced to 70 years because Jeremiah put it in there. Mm-hmm. So he knows. Had he not read that, he wouldn't have known the time was up. Mm-hmm. And today, and they, and it, it, maybe that's why they knew the word, knew that Cyrus was the one to add. Because of course, isn't it Isaiah? I mean, I mean, I'm, yeah, Jeremiah. Isaiah, mentioned Jeremiah Cyrus mentions name. the name uh, Cyrus long before Cyrus, uh, long before was born. he was even born. So, so and, but here we, we actually have this thing in Kings that says this happened. So we know concretely what's happening and when it's going to happen. Now the thing is. If I, if I come to you and say it's not going to happen, then you know I'm not telling the truth. If you have read and discussed and, and actually understood what King said. That's what I, I was telling the family when we were talking about this topic. And everybody acts like we're so much in the dark. You know, oh, there's no way you could know. It's too big a topic. We can't possibly know why God would do this and why God would do that. And I kept saying, no, we're not as much. We're not as much in the dark. As you would think. In other words, we're not just out here just sort of lost without any information, without any word from God. God has given us uh, his word here, and we we can understand God and his ways. We can extrapolate from what God has done and what we see of his nature here, of God's priorities, what's on his mind and heart. And we can extrapolate. He hasn't changed. God hasn't changed now, and human nature hasn't changed. The world has changed. It's far more high-tech and information and all this sort of thing, but the Bible predicts that. But human nature hasn't changed. So we can extrapolate from God's Word and, and, and looking at God's character and look at God's priorities, and it can give us some understanding both at an individual personal level, at a community level, at a national level of what and why God is doing. Now, I, I did want to take your point back a, a little bit, Jacob, because I mentioned Solomon a while ago. Hmm. And actually, this, this warning about what's going to happen to you if you still don't repent. Remember what in, in, in Solomon mentioned it when he, in his inaugural address. Right. He says, if we, we drift away from you and, we're, and then you call us back and you correct us and you send a famine, you send this, right. and, and we repent, this is going to happen. Right. And, if we don't, and even he predicts that. And if we don't repent, you will remove you. I, I will remove you. He says, "Isn't it? Isn't that true?" Isn't he does Solomon's, say that. And, and if I want, that was also, an early prediction of the idea of God taking him out of the land. And while people think it's a real blessing, yeah, no, no, it is a blessing. But Solomon is known as the wisest man in the world, right? Okay, mm-hmm. that's not the point. The wisdom is that spark that comes from God. The next two steps is understanding and knowledge. That's why Adam knew Eve. So it's wisdom comes from God. Then that's like the seed given. Then you got mm-hmm. to plant it. You got to grow it. You got to know that you pick the seed mm-hmm. and make bread out of it. That's mm-hmm. knowledge. So the point is, he's wise, but he never went beyond wisdom, the, the mm-hmm. idea from God. Mm-hmm. He never went to understanding, and he did not go to knowledge. That was I want to show the point thing. I was trying to make is that this idea of yeah. God removing them from the yes, land he removed them. was planted right. even before uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and even before Hilkiah and well, Josiah. That's all this, correct. The yes. idea was always there. And may I add one more thing? Mm-hmm. And you brought this up yourself because you know it's true. And I was really pleased when you knew this. 
No. <laughs> so, Did, by all means, bring it up, please. <laughs> yes, I understand. Uh, you said that when you had read the Gospels before, uh-huh. you said you discovered that many things Jesus had, Jesus, uh, had said is from the, the, the book of Deuteronomy. And actually, over, over 72% of everything that Jesus says in the four Gospels are quotes from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, if you don't know what he's quoting and you think you understand, but you haven't gone back and understood Deuteronomy, you don't know what context it is, what it means, and you are as guilty as the guys who are sitting there not being able to distinguish between Jeremiah, a true prophet, and a false prophet because you mm-hmm. haven't read it and you haven't tried to understand I don't mean you, mm-hmm. but it, it no, applies right. to me, too. I don't mind. Uh, that's the task, and uh, but, but that's why one, we pay you, you the pointed, big bucks. And you pointed out, and you're correct, that almost everything he said come from there. And I was so pleased when you knew that because not many mm. people realize he's quoting the uh, book of Deuteronomy. In fact, I'll tell you, contrary to a lot of people think, at the time uh, that Jesus was walking around in Jerusalem and elsewhere, it was a standard procedure to have all the children memorize the book of Deuteronomy because they were not allowed to have a copy of the Torah you know, the first five books of the Bible. So they, the kids memorized the first five books. So when Jesus is quoting all those books, everybody knew what he was quoting. Today, you, everybody thinks he's originating mm-hmm. these statements. Mm-hmm. He's teaching what God has always said, just like I said in Kings, what's coming, and Jeremiah okay. was reminding it. Well, before we run totally out of time here, I've got to give my little my little thought here that I think could be helpful to uh, and even in our times uh, and, and, and I'm just going to lay it I'm just going to say it because I think it actually applied to Jeremiah it applied to Jesus I think they knew this great secret they knew this what we have to understand folks what is on God's heart and mind what is the primary most important driving motivation that God has in his decisions about storms and about armies and nations falling and rising yes i'm not saying it's simple uh yes there is judgment yes there is but i believe with all my heart it's the harvest from the very beginning, the, the announced and proclaimed promise of God for the human race is that I'm going to call out a people for myself. I will be their God. They will be my people. And he's calling out a people. And is, when I talk about the harvest, I'm not just talking about conversions. Part of the process of uh, the harvest is, yes, is the, is the conversion, but also the transformation, sanctification, and, and, the, and the purifying of God's people. Uh, in the way that God has chosen to call out a people from the human race through all the generations in in the context of time and space and history. Well, all of that brings it. That is, I believe, is constantly on God's heart. And even back in the times of Adam and Eve, uh, why did you know uh, Cain killed Abel? Why did God grant Seth? Well, it was because he was granting that spiritual lineage, the, the the godly lineage that would carry on and worship and follow God. And then you have Noah and they have the flood. All of these things can be understood as you make your way through the Hebrew Scriptures. Yes, at the individual level, God judging people of Israel, God judging his people. So, but uh, in the big picture, it's God carrying out the redemptive plan for humanity because Israel, the people of God there, were central to that plan. And so he's working with this people group. He's he's teaching them. He's using them as an example for later generations. And he's going to bring the Messiah through this people group of Israel. So I, I believe we could safely say that what's 
constantly in God's heart for, for Rockport, for Hurricane Harvey, for other disasters, is we, should, we can always look at these things in the context of how is it going to contribute to the harvest of souls, to people coming back. And like Esther said, you know, if everything went right, would anybody ever seek God? Some of these calls us, and call, God calling us to trust Him and, and believe in Him and, and, and come to Him. And sometimes it's for God's people to get serious about our role of serving Him and being light and salt. The Bible Live is dedicated to remember, helping restore the Bible to our culture. the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. See you next week, everyone. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas. 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live, Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.